Welcome to the 64th episode of Dialogica, a podcast between two friends about the latest in politics, society, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Tangkilisan. And I'm Sweden Lee. And this week, we're talking about the second presidential debates. Yay! Which is already so much better! <laughs> we're gonna cover what, the, in case you've missed it, what the candidates actually said mm-hmm. on... Um, Infrastructure, energy, food, and all those fun bits. They actually talked about some substantive things. Yay! And uh, besides this short recap, we're also gonna give our opinions on um, what they said. And yeah. here's to it! <laughs> Just for a comment clarification, I think me and Sudian are still undecided <laughs> in our choices. Um, but we did have a comment that we supposedly sound very pro Bravo, which I don't know if you know either of us, but that's not accurate. Uh, I'm not going to name the commenter on SoundCloud. Like, you can find it out yourself. <laughs> um, but I'm glad you brought it up so that we can talk about our views and where we're coming from. I can from. clarify. Yeah. Um, I think... For us, it's also just trying to be fair and point out that, you know, especially when you're talking about human rights, mm-hmm. Prabowo has received a lot of um, criticism over that and deservedly so. But um, we can't absolve Jokowi from human rights criticisms. And I think sometimes there's a lot of hypocrisy on the left about mm-hmm. precluding Jokowi from criticisms on human rights because he didn't actually perpetrate it himself. But his cabinet is full of people who did. And under his presidency, he did curtail the human rights of various activists, especially uh, Papuan activists. Um, significantly, and there are significant evidence to show that there are various violations of human rights in his term in office. Especially as someone who is currently the president, you need to criticize what he's currently doing, um, not just what happened in the past, but um, how this the president that he had done so far will continue to affect the country in the next five years especially in the circumstances in the context of a debate of literally you're talking about these two candidates and what they will bring to the next five years Mm -hmm. you you gotta look at it at a fair perspective i think both stephanie and i uphold the office of the president to a higher standard yeah. And as part of that discussion, you've got to ask the hard questions. I think it's only fair for us to talk about them genuinely in that sense and not just talk about like, oh, because we might be more progressive leading that we're already going to prejudice our analysis or our discussions towards uh, the more progressive leading candidate. I think we have to be fair. Yeah. But thanks for your comments. We yeah. really appreciate it. And uh, we're, um, yeah. So on to the second debate. What are your first impressions? It's so much more substantive and like we're, they're actually talking about policies and numbers, uh, some false numbers, but still numbers. <laughs> yeah. It's just so much more chill. Less dramatic. It's a lot more chill. It's still very Indonesian. Yeah, but, um, but in a way that's almost like uh, it's no longer show for show's sake, right? Yeah. And it takes a lot less time. And the fact that it's only Jokowi and Bravo on the stage allows, I think, more back and forth between them. Yeah. 
And the format, I think, also allows more back and forth between them. Yeah. It's not perfect. I wish, like, they're actually given more time instead of one minute, like, minute and a half or two minutes to actually, like, answer and respond. Or Because mm-hmm. I think the, what's fun about the debate is the back and forth, right? Like, yeah. it's not a space for people to just state what they want and then what the other person state what they want, which is, I mean, a part of it, but and it's important. But you want to see the fight on issues, not physically. Who do you think would fight in a physical fight? Jokowi or Prabowo? And Prabowo will definitely uh, throw the first punch. <laughs> He's the more emotional of the two. I feel like Prabowo also has just generally more fighting skills physically since he was in the I military. I mean, he, is, he was in the he military. He is older. He, was, he is older, though. And Jokowi seems sprightly and fast. Yeah, I think Jokowi is going to be one of those fighters that's like, going to avoid your punches and then just wait till you, you're tired. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, you know, uh, you're talking about the format, right? And this reminded me, and I will say that like I'm very uh, biased in this perspective just because of the work and, that I do and the fact that I live in the, in America right now. It reminded me of like the town hall style debates. Yeah, that, it did. They they weren't on like one podium. It was they were kind of sitting and then yeah. in a bar stool and stuff. Yeah, and I and I hope that we will be able to still continue that. Uh, throughout the subsequent debates because I think the first format was so rigid mm-hmm. it was very much like stand behind your podium mm-hmm. you know and, and respond in like these very structured ways that it, it didn't allow the back and forth that you said is much more interesting and I feel like you actually get more out of the candidates because you you go beyond their talking points right if you go back and forth you actually have to push through what they want to say in the first place and see if there's any substance underneath right For our listeners who did not listen to the debate or are not entirely sure what uh, this round of debates are about, this second round of presidential debates is focusing on infrastructure, environment, natural resources, energy, and food. So a lot of the core economic and industry-focused topics that uh, was not covered, obviously, in the first round of debates. But it is kind of the topic that involves the day-to-day lives of most Indonesians and more Indonesians. Yeah. So... I think it's really important to see mm-hmm. how these two converge and diverge in that opinion. So why don't we start with the first topic? Infrastructure. Infrastructure. So obviously, you know, uh, Jokowi, as the incumbent who's been in power for four years now, has a lot of data and a lot of stats to back up his claims that his government and his administration has done a lot of work in terms of building roads, you know, uh, fixing up a lot of villages and connecting villages all across the this archipelago that is our nation. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that, you know, uh, if anybody who follows Jokowi's Instagram account like I do, you do? he loves to tout his... Uh, I do. <laughs> Just oh, to see what's good. up. Right. Uh, he loves to tout his uh, infrastructure projects. You know, he's always... Show he's always pictured wearing a hard hat, like traveling down a lonely toll road <laughs> that has just oh been open. That's, that must be a good job to be Jokowi's uh, photographer. Hey, travel in Indonesia. Anyway, it's it's fun. Yeah. Um, but you know, I do I do think at least from my cursory glance of it, uh, that Jokowi is one of those persons who have tried hard to um, create infrastructure beyond Java, right? Beyond just like yeah. Jakarta, like. I mean, his idea is that, you know, he, he instituted this really giant infrastructure projects, you know, connecting roads in Papua, connecting roads in Sumatra, and just trying to, like, 
and by creating roads, his plan is that they will it will lead to increased connectivity, yeah. which will allow the transport of goods and services for much cheaper and spur economic growth in a more fair way across the country and not not to Java. Yeah, and there is you know definitely merits to that plan because Indonesia, especially in the smaller regions, like I've experienced this, I've traveled across Indonesia and the roads in different places is just like something that you had a smooth road for that if it's a smooth good road it will take like two hours can become eight hours and then this makes it impossible and it's really bumpy so it's like makes it really hard to transport cement for example that is necessary to build houses and um, factories and stuff and just makes prices i think there was a study a couple years ago before all of the different stuff um cement prices in jakarta would be like four dollars three or four dollars and cement prices for a bag of cement in Papua and like a more remote place would be like um, $15,000 per bag. Wow. <laughs> Just because there, that, there are no roads. Yeah, there are no roads. So like it would have to be airlifted or... No ships or whatever. Just like this really, like it just makes it ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important. And I think Jokowi has done a good job in... I, I really like the intent and I really like the efforts put in it. Um, but Prabowo does bring, and not just Prabowo, but a lot of people have been raising concerns about um, the fact that a lot of these giant infrastructure projects are created by, are funded by foreign loans. Yeah. Um, so Indonesia is dramatically increasing its foreign debt and um, that kind of stuff. And he uses a lot of Chinese contractors and loans um, which is happening all over the world, right? Yeah. Like you have the Chinese building roads and ports in Africa and South America. And um, if they can't pay it, the Chinese will take over <laughs> that port. <laughs> um, so there needs to be caution. In, and what Prabowo said was, you know, um, to find out whether or not these contracts are fe- feasible to be paid back. And feasibility studies. whether these contracts... Uh, if you know a giant infrastructure project is good but what would be the best most affordable way to for us to do that in a way that doesn't saddle the burden on future generations Mm -hmm. which is a classic sort of conundrum for any kind of developing country right that you want to develop fast you want to build these what we as people who live in cities and who live in the in the capital cities especially like we take it for granted that roads are always there you know, the fact that we have bad roads is already a good thing for, because for some communities, they don't even have bad roads. They have no roads. Yeah. Right. It's a dirt road or something. Yeah. So it, it is the most, one of the most basic, uh, elements of infrastructure, but mm-hmm. just building roads and building highways and building connectivity can give so much to a community. Uh, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is that it, it's a delicate balance because you do want to make these infrastructure projects big and ambitious and, get it quickly done mm-hmm. but to do it responsibly is not necessarily an easy thing right i mean like i think it's completely fair that and i think it's probably the right thing to do for jokowi to get foreign aid help and foreign loan help for building infrastructure projects because yeah we don't have enough money and resources um to actually build that like we don't have enough no, no. Uh, budget or anything to create all of these projects and, you know, there's something to be said about the sooner the better because that's impacting people's lives now. Yeah. Um, it's just the, the question. And we're not completely experts in, like, evaluating how good 
his general infrastructure projects are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, I think the problem is not getting foreign aid. The problem is how, which, how are these projects prioritized and allocated, right? And to make sure that these kind of projects don't just become like, as Prabowo mentioned, right, in his com- in his uh, criticism of Jokowi, you don't want these infrastructure projects to just become monuments or, you know, like uh, emblems of your administration, but not actually useful, which I think is a fair criticism of any kind of infrastructure project. Mm-hmm. It should be functional and beneficial. Otherwise, you're going to end up like, you know, uh, World Cup stadiums, right? In those World Cup countries where like they built the thing thinking that it'll serve the community. And then it's just a ghost. It's a ghost building or a ghost project. Shall I move on to the next topic? Yeah, what's the next topic? Well, the next topic is a pretty heated one because it's about the environment. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think uh, anybody who's been following Indonesian news about the environment has probably heard a lot about the forest fires. Yeah. It's been happening almost like on an annual basis. Jokowi made one of the most controversial comments of the night when he said, over the past three years, there have been no forest or and or peat fires. Yeah. Uh, which is false. <laughs> Oof. Uh, for all of us who've, who've lived in Jakarta, and then for anybody who's lived in uh, Singapore or Malaysia, they can all attest that before the last like three to five years, there has been forest fires. Mm-hmm. Um, the scale of the forest fires has decreased. This was the director of Greenpeace Indonesia has came out with a statement saying that while what Jokowi said was wrong, like there had there is forest fires. Right. The amount of forest fires has decreased during Jokowi's time. And Jokowi actually, you know, um, on Monday after the debate, clarified the statement saying that it's not about there are no forest fires, it's that we are better able to manage it. I feel like that's a big difference. <laughs> and it yes. seems like kind of a mistake that shouldn't have been made. Oh, yeah. It's not like a small statistical mistake. It's a mistake that's like, uh-huh. it's a binary question, right? It's yes or no yeah. forest fires exist or not exist and he should have known that this is like i think he just hopes that like for the most part people won't fact check him and believe him yeah uh shout out to compass and tempo their their uh, instagram and twitter accounts have done a really good job fact checking the the statements i was following Mm -hmm. it uh, as i was following the debate and i was like wow you guys Mm -hmm. do a good job making sure nothing gets brushed aside and i think for Jokowi, it was it would have been such a mm-hmm. power statement, right, to say that like during my administration there has been no forest fires. I think that that's what he wanted to say. It's like I fixed one of the most contentious issues in Indonesian uh, foreign relations, <laughs> yeah. but that's not true, right? Like he's decreased the amount of forest fires through regulation and enforcement, but it's still happening, and it's still something that needs to be contended with for any any presidential candidate in the future. I mean, there's also a variety of reasons why it has decreased this year. Uh, and in the last few years, like I, um, internationally, there's been a greater scrutiny on companies and their contractors who are doing bad land practice yeah. usage. So like forest fires are caused by like slash and burn policy. So and to make space for palm oil and palm trees, you just like burn existing shrubbery or 
thing or any kind of plants that are currently in that space and that's how you clear it instead of digging it out which is more expensive and takes longer mm -hmm. um which le leads to like wildfires and you know all these different consequences um you know that that's one factor like there's so many ngos and environmental organizations that do the hard work of doing this yeah and uh monitoring and then filing sanctions and then and one of the biggest thing is that like he jokowi was also saying that under his administration there have been more um lawsuits that were upheld or uh lawsuits that like punish companies that are doing unfair uh, environmental practices yeah as you said you know what jokowi has done is already a lot better than what previous administrations such as the SBA administration has done about forest fires. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that Jokowi is not afraid to go and pursue the sanctions and head out at the palm oil companies, that's already a big deal. Mm -hmm. Whether or not it's going to be as productive as we all want it to be, that's a, that's a, almost like a different debate. But the fact that there's appetite for it. Right. The intent is there and they're, full, and they're pulling it through, which is great. Good job. I mean, I, I think... I think for me, though, it's like uh, the reason why I want to, I guess, for some people, nitpick on what Jokowi is saying and sort of like what his administration is doing is because there's so much potential, right? Like you, they have the political will. Mm -hmm. Now, the, whether or not they have the political strength to go through with some of these yeah. things is is what we want them to have. You know, I, I, I hold him to a higher standard. I think part of the discussion was also about land distribution. Mm -hmm. So how going forward, uh, Jokowi proudly says that under his administration, they've given away mm -hmm. land to ordinary farmers and people who actually use the land and given certificates to own it. Um, and then, you know, that like Prabowo's response was that mm -hmm. this is a good one or two generational kind of choice because um, people now can benefit from it but what will happen in the future for people who don't have land um so it's actually better for the state to maintain hold of this to which uh joke always said yeah because you're just huge giant landowner yourself yeah in kalimantan <laughs> and then, in and east then, kalimantan yeah. and in uh central Aceh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, of which Joko, uh, Babo said, oh yeah, but at least it's better than have it being foreign owned because I'm a nationalist and a patriot. And I will and give it back like, if, if they want it. But yeah. Yeah, at any time because it's a hakuna usaha, so it's the right to use. It's not a right to, it's not an ownership right. Yeah. Um, th that's another thing in Indonesian, um, Important things to know about Indonesia, uh, that there are various land usage categories, mm -hmm. of which I actually know something about because this is, I've dealt with this in my previous job. Mm -hmm. Um, so there are different kinds of categories, like there's different kinds of certificates of land ownership, like, um, there's Hakuna Bangun, which is the right to own and build on top, and then, um, the right to use in which you, you can just use the land but you, and develop it, but you can't really like build crazy structures on it or whatever mm -hmm. and usually these um certificates have a term use so there are contracts of like 
you know, 10, 15 years or there's different like terms for it. And then it will be returned yeah. to the government or it will be re, uh, re um, tendered again. The tender is the process of which um, different companies submit their proposal and what, how they, why they are the best um, people to use the land. And as a result of this is that usually since this is not a full certificate like of ownership, mm-hmm. the price is very cheap. Um, it's like you're paying lease on uh, huge lands that the government owns, which gives revenues for the government. But also, you know, if you're, it makes sense for things like agriculture because to buy huge swaths of land is really expensive. Mm-hmm. And that way you can use it um, and pay a little money to use. It. And usually like Hakuna Usada is like the lowest tier of land ownership because, you know, it can be canceled. It can, things can change to it and the government can decide to um, revoke it and depending on the deal you um, either have an option to to be the first person to continue the lease or you know or they would have to retender yeah. i think this is a lot more micro than you would need but it, it's like a, actually a really fascinating issue that i actually have knowledge about yay things in the back of my head that i forgot i knew actually i'm curious though based from what you just described it sounds like yeah incredibly bureaucratic bureaucratic process oh yeah it's a really bureaucratic process it used to be that like uh used to be like the uh, these different companies can just give that right to come to a company without Mm -hmm. um a tender process which led to a lot of corruption and yeah all those other issues um I mean, there's a lot of corruption in this kind of space and area in general. Um, of course, with, with because there's so many steps and so many like people to yeah. to appease. I guess yeah. I, I can't imagine this actually promotes longevity of your oh no building plan. I mean, or that's whatever. why you want a different kind of um, different kinds of land land rights based on what you plan to use it for, right? Yeah, and and that's why I think I actually also agree with Jacoby in this. Like, I I don't think that. Mm-hmm. The government should own the vast majority of land in the country. I think people who work in that place and toilet actually should give ownership. Just because, mm-hmm. like, what does this leave for the people who in that area, right? Like, that they will be forced to just continually become workers for the state land. Like, dependent on the government all the time. Dependent on the governmental and dependent on who the government chooses to give the rights to yeah like if it's given to a company then they're just going to be farmers instead of being landowners of their own land yeah um which i feel like is more egalitarian and you know gives more opportunities to the current generation who work there to actually um profit off it long term and create generational wealth for their children um as opposed to become salaried farmers right yeah and you got to trust people to know what's best for them and their land because this is also certificated land that isn't currently owned by uh, like there's so many people like living in all parts of indonesia just like oh i live here i'm just gonna farm this land you know and no one Mm. else is there anyway to like cultivate it so like for these people of course they should have the certificate to the land that they've told for generations it doesn't make sense to me to continue to have that as government land property and then suddenly we'll decide to like let's parcel this out as a land that we can give to a big company you know like bravo said and that makes me somewhat uncomfortable to think about and you tell me if i'm wrong i feel like for a lot of people the government isn't also very good at telling in rural areas in remote areas where like this is actually government land so people could have been working this land for generations and then the government if they ever choose to suddenly you know 
claim back that land, they could just come in and be like, oh, wait, you don't know that this is our land? We're taking it back and we're just like going to ruin everything, right? I think that's part of the criticism Joko is lobbying to Prabowo, you know, in, in, the terms, in the terms of like, you're hoarding land so that you can use it as an upper hand in the future. Like, this is your insurance policy. When in fact, there are people living on those lands who need this as their livelihoods. And I think it, that's why the jab Joko did was particularly, I think, effective because mm-hmm. I think in a way he does point out the hypocrisy of why Prabowo would want to yeah. have the kind of policy that government should continue to have power on owning land because it kind of benefits people like him and big businesses who will be the ones winning all these tenders for land usage, right? Like It was like a clever jab, not only at like uh, Prabowo's personality and, and background, but also actually his policy. <laughs> so prop, props to Jokowi. Yeah, I feel like overall he did so much better in this debate. I guess I just want to also mention, like, it will be remiss to not mention one funny moment. The unicorn moment. Uh, when Jokowi was asking uh, Prabowo uh, in the debate, like, how are you going to, you know, Prabowo, how are you going to handle the rise of unicorns in Indonesia? And there was a moment of hesitation where Prabowo was like, <laughs> unicorns? You mean, you mean those online things? And there was like laughter in the room. Yeah. <laughs> and Joko, he was, I, I gotta say, he was very nice. He was like, he wasn't trying to like amp up the situation. He was like being very polite. He's like, yeah, yeah, those online things. And so Prabowo answered. But then it's obvious, right? Like Prabowo doesn't know about right. the sort of like this next phase of economic development that is around startups, around technology, you know. I, the unicorns that Joko was talking about is, you know, Gojek, Tokopedia, uh, Travaloka and Bukalapak, like these are huge brand names who have who have a role to play in the future of Indonesian economy. And the fact that Prabowo yeah. uh, doesn't know about unicorns and doesn't know like that terminology is is frankly very upsetting to me. <laughs> I mean, I, not like yeah, I want I want to yeah. be like elitist or whatever about like you know uh, economy, and I don't want to just be like oh we can only focus on these super high-techy things and not think about like agriculture or the more traditional kinds of economy. Right. But you got to think forwards, right? You got to leverage the fact that you have companies like Gojek, like Traveloka, you know, they have a regional presence that have, you know, you should be proud of those uh, companies, right? Like, mm-hmm. And then also make sh- making sure they're responsible yeah. in the way they, they operate in the space. I don't know. I just like, Jokowi clearly has a much better grasp at what's going on for, for the future. That, that's, I guess that's my takeaway about all of this. Jokowi seems to be someone who's ready to, who has a plan for the future, knowing what the future will be like in terms of the yeah. ecosystem. While Prabowo has a plan, but he doesn't necessarily, he doesn't, he can't project what the future is really like. He has his plan, and then he will probably just like slap that on to whatever future happens in Indonesia without really thinking about, oh, where are we going as a country? Yeah, and and I think overall, generally, I was really impressed with how uh, Jokowi performed in general. Like, I feel like this is the most 
eloquent I've seen him in a pretty long time. Yeah. And like just very showed that he was very sharp, you know? Like he had his wits, his temperament was like I feel like he's a boxer that's just like light on his feet, you know? And calm, um, right? He knew what he was gonna say. He performed like an incumbent president who has worked and the, for the last four years, really hard and knows his, um, knows his country and knows what he's doing and, and, and has a vision towards what he's doing. Which I guess is a, obviously a huge step forwards than the last time, you know, these two have come up during the presidential debates where it was much more, mm-hmm. you know, much rawer, right? Like, you know, Jokowi was a, uh, hasn't had four years to work on something. Yeah. Um, I actually looked up some of their old clips, like, you know, because when I was just like Googling, like, you know, presidential debates, like Google spit out the ones from 2014 mm. when they were doing it the first time around. And it felt like Jokowi has, has obviously grown mm-hmm. and has um, taken points from the last four years to be able to perform better as a candidate. While Prabowo felt a little bit like he was repeating the same things or certainly yeah. employing the same tactics. And I think... In the future, it'll be interesting to see how Sandy plays a part into oh, how do you update Prabowo into Prabowo 2.0 for 2019. I, I, I like actually cannot wait to see the debate between Sandy and Maruf Amin. One month's time. Uh, oh god, that's gonna be Wait, hilarious. Wait for our hot take. <laughs> I can't wait for our hot takes Oof, there. That's just gonna be like a slaughter. That's gonna be brutal. It's gonna not look that pretty. <laughs> and I'm here for it. I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, dialica.id. Music credits to John Dealey, Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica. If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and our Twitter. Please follow us in these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at dialogicapod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's Steph Tank. That's S-T-E-P-H-T-A-N-G-K. Thank you again and see you guys next time. Bye!